Pop Shield, a long-form discussion podcast about musical topics both past and present. I'm Gabe, and I'm joined as always by Dan. Hello. And Darren. Hello. So I like to start each episode by asking you guys what you've been listening to lately. Yeah, I've been listening to uh, this like Indonesian uh, drone record from 2017. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's called like Tara Wang Sawalis is the band, and uh, the record's called Wancy. So uh, okay. I don't know, but remember that Park Jiha record? Like uh, we yeah. both liked. It, it like reminds me a lot of that. It's uh, hmm. it's it's really dope. What about you, Darren? Uh, you know, I've been listening to a lot of Mozart's The Magic Flute. Just okay. kind of randomly jumped into opera for a little bit. Um, that's been pretty much it. It, it. I was listening to a classic recording. hasn't I haven't listened to like a recent one or anything. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> you know while i was in vegas i mean it was oh uh, yeah that's what you do you know <laughs> very uh very diverse listening i um i went on a pretty big tom waits kick uh lately and you know i knew that last year they remastered all of his early albums but i didn't know that the year before that they had remastered all of his later albums like from 1999 on and so i was really enjoying you know revisiting some of those and actually listening to some of those for the first time uh but it's honestly really strange that the only period of tom waits that hasn't gotten remastered reissued now is the golden period you know <laughs> swordfish trombones rain dogs like frank's wild years bone machine it's like you know maybe that should have been the the biggest concern because they really do need the remaster like come on guys get on it um but all right let's turn to today's topic Like a lot of people, we've all been really enjoying Tom York's new solo album, Anima. And while I think we all agree, it's been pretty interesting to read review after review claiming that, after a pretty spotty solo career, York has finally made a record that can hold its own against Radiohead's peerless discography. These claims made us want to revisit Tom York's solo debut, The Eraser, from 2006, which was, quite shockingly at the time, the first Radiohead-related album since Pablo Honey to get pretty mixed reception. But then we got thinking about the biggest shock of all when a few years later, Radiohead themselves underwhelmed fans with 2011's The King of Limbs. And we decided it would be interesting to reassess both of these legendary disappointments in tandem. Now, I know it's not a great idea to begin a podcast by asking whether the topic even makes sense, but do you guys agree that there's something to be gleaned from comparing and contrasting these records? I always associate them in my mind because, like I said, it felt like the first times the mighty Radiohead seemed to stumble, but we can't forget that In Rainbows dropped just a year after The Eraser and was pretty instantly declared a classic. Yeah, I don't I don't think like at the time I equated the two, you know, because they are separated by In Rainbows. Um uh-huh you know which is like undisputably a, a classic but you know looking back like as you can see the the bigger picture i i do always sort of like i i i almost forget that they are separated you know yeah i mean i think in 2011 when the king of limbs dropped i had probably forgotten about the eraser for the most part you know what i mean wow. i i listened to it you know a good deal when it first came out um and we you know we can get into the history there but um yeah, but by the time The King of Lens came out, I, I kind of just had forgotten about it. So really just putting it into context of like, you know, thinking about Radiohead as a whole and, and the points in their career where they may have stumbled, it makes sense, I think, to look at both of these um, together. Yeah, you know, I think that there are a lot of actually really interesting similarities and differences that I want to try to get into. You know, just to sort of preview things we'll talk about in a minute, you know, like the recording techniques are kind of similar in a weird way because they both revolved around sampling themselves um, and sort of building songs from that. 
they also kind of feel maybe, and maybe you disagree, we'll get into it, but like the, the aims of these projects are a little different from most Radiohead releases, which are, you know, they're not meant to be major step forward masterpieces. Uh, but again, a lot of differences as well. And those might be just as illuminating as the similarities. Let's dive into the records, though, one by one and see if we can return to these bigger questions. The Eraser from 2006. Can you guys describe the state of your Radiohead fandom back in 2006, as well as your first impressions of the Eraser? Yeah, I was a, I was a pretty big fan at the time. I, I went out, I bought this record on uh, day one, probably at a Best Buy or whatever, uh, on CD. Um, <laughs> I, I remember being like a little underwhelmed from the get-go. I, it never like really clicked for me. I remember like wanting it to be a lot better than it was and stuff. And, uh, you know, it just never like reaching that for me. Yeah, um, I was a massive Radiohead fan, uh, I think, by this point. Um, was really excited, you know, with anything that was coming out, you know. Obviously, you know, we can get into the story about when In Rainbows dropped, but, like, even this album, when it when it came out, I was, like, devoured it, you know what I mean? It was Radiohead, uh-huh. whatever, I don't care what it is. Um, and I think that sort of made it seem like it was way better than I thought, you know what I mean? It didn't stick with me, I guess, like a lot of other Radiohead records did in terms of like coming back to it over and over again. It was really like, I listened to the record a lot. I think there were some like live studio recordings that kind of came out around that time too that I really loved, like of Cymbal Rush. But Mm -hmm. then in the years to come, it kind of got, you know, put, put way, way back there, especially after like In Rainbows dropped, you know? What about you, Gabe? Yeah, it's not something that I listened to very often at all but it is something that kind of like holds a special place in my heart for a couple of reasons one you know i was thinking back and this must have been like the first new radiohead release since i became a completely obsessive yeah. fan yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's true. true yeah i i think it's hard for me to remember exactly i'm sure i'd heard like creep and probably karma police and stuff but it was like the hail to the thief era that i learned about them and everything so then this build-up to the eraser it was you know, really, truly exciting for me. Also, the album came out on my birthday that year. And <laughs> oh. um, I was like, you know, it leaked and I refused to listen to it because I felt like it was fate that it was coming out <laughs> on my birthday. So I like waited. I'm reading descriptions, like just imagining what it sounds like, you know. <laughs> I finally right got there it. available to you. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It was so exciting. Um, but let's try to describe the sound of the eraser. You know, York and Godrich, um, the producer who's produced like every Radiohead thing, they're apparently kind of toying with samples from Radiohead's library of original samples. Um, So you've got like the piano on the title track, you know, that's Johnny Greenwood playing in sort of a demo. You can hear it's sort of like low bit rate, low quality kind of a thing. Um, And he's just sort of sampling and messing with it. And it rained all night is built from a sample, like a really screwed up sample of the gloaming, apparently off of Hail to the Thief. Black Swan is actually built around a rhythm track that was recorded by Ed O'Brien and Phil Selway, the drummer. Um, you know, so, you know, how, how would we describe the sound? Do you guys get a sense of, like, you know, that that's what he's just sort of, like, tinkering with pre-existing stuff? Yeah, it, it does feel like a little tinkerish. Like, it, it, it feels like Tom at home, you know, like, messing around, uh, you know, just 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 like trying to work things out. It, it sort of seems like the um, the first pass in in maybe uh, writing like for Radiohead mm. kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it, to me, it really it becomes like very obvious that the rest of Radiohead like are not here. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. it, it very much is like Tom York 
in front of a laptop computer, basically headphones on kind of just listening and and trying different things. Like you mentioned, Dan, but not having to like sort of pass it through Johnny Greenwood and the other guys. Yeah. Yeah, And like having to expand on things or whatever. It's just like, you know, throwing things out there and, and kind of going with what he likes. I mean, it's very, it's very much like this is just Tom York alone and what he wants. You know what I mean? What do you make of it, Gabe? Yeah, you know, I think that it's kind of a weird sound because I, I sort of agree, and I guess I don't want to jump into like criticisms just yet, but it, it sort of sounds like stuff that maybe even didn't get the uh, Radiohead okay, you know? Like mm-hmm. he had this stuff kind of sitting around and it all sort of feels to me like stuff that might have been on Hail to the Thief. It sort of reminds me of the Hail to the Thief era, and yet it's like him you know it just gives me the vibe of like him on tour buses and stuff just kind of like tinkering on his laptop with these you know little unfinished things and sort of building entire pieces out of them um it's also very it's like very clean and very um almost very sparse in a way like the the instruments and everything are so clean and you know and then you've got like the vocals that are so yeah that's the that's the craziest thing you know like I've listened to Radiohead for years and years and, and, you know, dozens of times. And like, I think most Radiohead songs, I don't know the fucking words to, cause you know, <laughs> t- you know, the way Tom sings, but here, like they're very upfront. There's, they're almost normal, you know, like, like you can sing along to some of these songs. Yeah. There just seems to be like a lot of like space, you know what I mean? Space yeah. for the vocals, space for all the things that are happening. Like everything is seem, seems like very clearly separated, <clears throat> separated, you know what I mean? Um, whereas like a Radiohead song just sounds like every possible idea and sound that could fill up the the space is, yeah, is there, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it just, I don't want to just describe it as like just being thin, but it really just, it feels like it's lacking a lot of layers, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I mean, it like, it really feels like just kind of one of the guys in Radiohead, you know, it's like, it, it, it doesn't feel like it's, um, a separate thing. Like it's, it's, it's missing everybody else, you know? Yeah, and I think that uh, you also get the sense on a lot of songs that there's sort of, there are a lot of like, um, you know, real instruments, for lack of a better word, um, electric guitars or like a, a electric bass that's clearly being played. Mm-hmm. And yet it seems like the whole track will be sort of built in laptop fashion around that. Yeah, so you get songs yeah. like, mm-hmm. you know, like In It Rained All Night. It's got like this kind of cool bass line and like that's the song part and then the rest is just sort of these like almost amateurish like kind of skittering glitchy beats and it's just like you know it gives it like a demo feel because it's like oh you know i wrote this baseline and then i put like sort of a placeholder beat on here and now i'm i'm singing in the most like you know it's totally clean there's nothing layered there's no like overdubs there's no reverb yet on the vocals um does it does it give it like i basically couldn't decide all week does it feel like really overproduced this album or really underproduced it's weird because it feels like tom at a laptop you know which you would which you would sort of like assume would be kind of demo-y sounding which you would associate with being like sort of low quality but it's like the crispest highest quality demos (laughs) ever you know which gives it like this weird like it's like when you know some sort of lo-fi artist um Go, gets big and, and has a million dollars you know to, to spend recording it, it's like sort of like a feel like that yeah i mean i i think i agree with you it does sound like overproduced with like without enough 
uh, I don't know. I keep going back to like like layers. You know, I'm thinking of like right. things that like Johnny Greenwood would have added in, like this crazy, like the strings from like Pyramid Song, something like that. You know what I mean? Like all these mm-hmm. things that would that you just associate so easily with Radiohead. But imagine if those things were like removed and it was just Tom at like a piano, maybe without the really crazy drums coming in and stuff. And I feel like you're getting closer to like what the eraser is. You know what I mean? And it's, yeah. it's the bare bones. Yeah. Again and again, I feel like, like the song starts on a real instrument of some kind. So like you, you could take, you know, I mentioned Anna rained all night. Herodon Hill is actually quite similar. I think the sequencing is a little weird on this album. Cause you get like the two moody bass driven songs, like right in a row or whatever. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's like the bass line was recorded and then everything was sort of filled in. Like on the song Analyze earlier on, it's like the um, it's like a piano line and it's quite like played quite percussively, very clean, very crisp uh, in your headphones, you know. Um, and it's just like that was the thing he recorded. He record he wrote and recorded like a sort of a simple song that way and then sort of filled it in with with beats. And um so it sort of adds like an, an amateurism but it also adds like a weird you know there, there's something weird about he's not really i think committing to the electronicness of it because yeah. it's it's so weird to me actually i think it's something we should do on an episode because maybe it's just our perspective from 2019 but the idea that radiohead went electronic feels so wrong <laughs> and bizarre like there are guitars all over kid a and also yeah. like what is, I mean, there've been since on, on rock records since like the sixties, like what, what is, so anyway, but he's not really like, it's like, he's trying to make an electronic record, but not really committing. So, and what that leads to, I think are problems where a song like, and it rained all night is kind of like a alternative rock song, but it's hard to rock when the only real instrument is like a bass. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Like, I remember there, there, there's this YouTube video uh, that's really cool where Kanye in his early, early in his career, he's, he has Timbaland in the studio and he's kind of like asking him for advice on how to get the kick drums on um the song stronger to like really bang because it's hard to actually do that and you know kanye struggling with that early in his career and i feel like tom here you know he just can't get a song like that to rock you know what i'm saying yeah it's like like you said there there's like this weird sort of like tiny bit of amateurism but like from an absolute professional it's just like like he's like slightly out of his element you know like i feel like in radiohead maybe it would have been his job necessarily to to get that kick drum you right, know kicking right. you know maybe phil would have done it or, or somebody or they would you know? have layered it up that yeah, would have been exactly. like an electronic plus yeah and so it's like he you know he has like the idea but he like some of them like the execution uh sometimes like falls flat and i think it's like because he benefits uh you know from having four other people around all the time you know helping him you know when you go for i feel like it would be hard to go from that to just yourself right and don't don't you gonna feel darren like like black swan is like much funkier because it actually is built from a rhythm track that phil and ed did together (laughs) right well then that you know there you go that kind of makes sense i I was gonna mention think about songs like arpeggi and like nude songs that right. had been around for so long and you can go out there and you can listen to all these various versions of the songs and they're they're generally pretty different than what ended up on like in rainbows right i yeah. mean um this is kind of what i think is happening again here on the eraser in a lot of ways like a, a lot of these songs had they been through the ringer of you know radiohead for a few years may not even be recognizable you know what i mean right. mm-hmm. that's true but we you know, this is what we have. And I, I just think that it, 
it's kind of clear that he's just not quite I don't know the the feeling I get is like you know they were probably working on in rainbows during some of this time obviously and you know maybe Tom just had a lot of ideas I imagine he's a songwriter he's probably got tons of little things going on he he needed an outlet he needed to kind of just get it out there right and I think this was this is what we ended up with not necessarily like a fully thought out you know solo record of Tom York. You know what I mean? I think Yeah, and, yeah, go on. I think like looking you know from 2019 now that we have like Anima as well, like you can see that he's gotten better at it. You know, like you can see that he progressively like learned how to do it. You know, when you look at like Tomorrow's Boxes, Modern Boxes whatever, all that, you know, like you could see him like advancing and now like the this new record it seems like he's figured it out for the most part and he like knows how to do these things that like here on the eraser he was like amateurish at yeah and maybe there's a little bit of self-limiting because I, I remember actually reading and feeling a little bit disappointed um before the album came out that he he really didn't want to like bury his voice in reverb and stuff like that he wanted to sort of let it yeah. shine through and be clear and you know, it almost feels like he's treating the instruments the same way. Like, I want them to be very clear and crisp and, you know, not do the layering trickery and the studio trickery that much. Um, so it's like simplified on purpose in a way. Uh, I also want to ask you guys, though, about the quality of the songs here, because there's something kind of weird about this album to me that almost all the songs are very songy. I can't think of a better word, but they're just like verse, chorus, verse. And then usually like wordless cooing over the outro you know like almost <laughs> yeah. every time um it, they're like what you were saying darren it strikes me as like these are not songs that he just had kicking around they were songs that like already got vetoed by the rest of radiohead <laughs> you know and they're such simple little songs you know what i'm what i'm saying yeah i mean and if you look at like radiohead b-sides you know i think right. some of uh, some of what you hear in those b-sides are similar to what you end up getting here i mean i'm not saying that every single song here sounds like a b-side i mean some of these songs i think are great i mean coming back to them i was you know kind of pleasantly surprised and i you know kind of was obviously bopping my head and singing along because like they're good songs they're just not i guess great you know they're not as moving and maybe maybe i'm just putting too much you know pressure on tom york because i'm thinking of radiohead or i'm comparing yeah, this yeah. work to like you know Radiohead's greatest works, and that might be a little unfair. Don't you agree though, Dan? That like they're kind of like it feels like just simple little songs, and you know, in a way, I I feel like I don't know. Is he like trying to achieve? Because it sounds so like simple, but is he trying to achieve like radio play or something? I mean, because they just sound like such tight songs. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they they are. Whereas like a Radiohead might, uh, you know, it'd be more expansive have more atmosphere to it you know post uh okay computer radiohead's not you know on the radio or anything and here right. yeah it sort of seems like he's he's stripping that kind of stuff away i, I mean like darren said some of the songs here like are actually like pretty great like little pop songs like the yeah, let, let's talk about the, like, the eraser yeah. is like a, a fantastic song in fact like it being the opener and even the this week was the first time i had listened to this record and and 
several years and i i forgot like how much of a like banger that song is and i was like <laughs> oh man maybe i'm maybe i'm wrong about this record i i, I forgot how, yeah. how awesome it is uh but you know it, it doesn't hold the uh the quality um all the way through but but i mean i think like harrow downhill i thought that was that's a pretty good song analyze is pretty decent uh, there's nothing that's like outright awful here or or even really bad there's just like it goes from pretty good to a little boring mm, yeah what what are some like highlights for you darren um yeah i'm a big fan of black swan i think that one's fun you know um i like adams for peace that was one that i kind of always liked mm-hmm. a lot i feel like it's a little bit long um symbol rush is actually a favorite of mine but it's actually not the album version that i i love it's uh-huh. it's one that he did what was that didn't he like something underground or whatever that he did with like uh godrich i can't remember but they were doing yeah. a lot of like in studio live takes or whatever and he did there's one of simple rush that I, I really love a lot yeah in my opinion a lot of the stuff here is is kind of like middling uh just forgettable in a way like kind of pleasant and fun but there are two masterpieces as far as I'm concerned, which are Adams for Peace and Symbol Rush. And yeah. the reason is I think those songs, you know, the whole record has kind of like this antiseptic feel. And sometimes it's like, oh, he's trying to rock a little bit and it's just sort of falling flat. And you kind of wish the Radiohead, the band was there, you know, mm-hmm. and these two songs to me, like really just embrace the antiseptic quality of the, of laptop music, you know, like they're kind of stiff on purpose. Adams for Peace in particular sounds like kind of a, a next generation version of no surprises to me. Cause it's got this kind of lullaby-ish, you know, like weird little looping baseline thing. And it just... It, it like sounds a little dead inside or something, but that's the point. Um, and Symbol Rush, similar. It's like got this the strangest beat, and it's just like the instead of like a warm, clean piano, it sounds like almost like a cheap keyboard he's playing or something. And you kind of agree with me. It's like he's embracing the the challenges that he doesn't always do on this album. Yeah, I think I think Symbol Rush is a is a good one to point out because it again like what you mentioned like it, it, the the live one that i'm talking about is like that clean piano so i think i kind of like prefer that because it's mm. again you know tom york at a piano right um <laughs> it reminds me a bit of like motion picture soundtrack in a way that like you know the song could be so easily stripped away and so simple but there's all these like different layers to it, it that song symbol rush i think and adams for peace which you mentioned sound they they stand out not just because they're great songs, but they like they don't really sound like the rest of the record. Is that yeah. fair to say? Like I, I just don't think that the either one of these like seem to have started with some demo or something that that already existed. Like it, it truly sounds like something that may have started from scratch um, during this time. Yeah, yeah. I actually I I saw like a uh, like an interview with Tom York, and he said about Adam's for Heap, uh, Adam's for Peace that that was uh, one of the ten minutes written in a hurry sort of things. So I think that does, <laughs> oh. you know, that implies rushing, but it also, I think, implies that it is like a new thing, like you said, Darren, yeah. not not like a uh, old Radiohead, you know. Start from something, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I think that's the key. You kind of got to like embrace the the qualities. If all you have is a laptop, like, I don't know, make the best laptop music possible. Yeah. But we've talked about this a little bit. I don't know if we have a lot more to say, but, you know, thinking like, I'm thinking retrospectively, like how does this album sound now? And also how does it fit into Radiohead's discography now that we're looking back? You know, I don't want to 
uh, touch yet on the King of Limbs, but I think things really change there because, you know, to me, this sounds really like leftovers mostly from Hail of the Thief, like I said. And yet, in Rainbows, is also very song oriented. Um, and, but maybe like a lot less electronic. I don't know. How do you see this album kind of fitting into their, their career here? I mean, I think like the place in its discography is like a sort of big fans only. You know, you, you're mm. interested in hearing like what didn't make the um, Hail to the Thief cut. Even if these songs aren't literally from those sessions, you know, it at least like sounds like they are. Um, I I don't think it's like, you know, I wouldn't say it's essential or anything, but I I think it does foreshadow a little bit going into In Rainbows. Like you said, you know, this record really kind of songy and In Rainbows is too, uh, but In Rainbows is like songy, um, but filtered through the uh, Radiohead committee, you know? Yeah, I was thinking like, because I listened to In Rainbows today, you know, and like the song Body Snatchers, you know, like, and like, I could just imagine it on the eraser where it'd be like that distorted bass line, but then there'd just be like, you know what I mean? Like, it'd be just like in a rained all night or something with just like the distorted bass line and then kind of the additions. But what do you think, Darren? How does it kind of fit in looking back? I don't know. I, I was actually surprised because I, I had forgotten when The Eraser came out before I looked at the years and everything. I, I was thinking that it had come out right after In Rainbows. Mm. Um, I was very surprised to think that this came out just a year before In Rainbows because to me, personally, I just don't see like hardly any similarities between those two albums. You know what I mean? Uh. I really do think, like you mentioned, Gabe, that these are like leftovers of like Hail to the Thief, but you know, this is like, you know tom york had like compartmentalized this and like was just yeah this is just my little thing but his main focus with radiohead was like a totally different you know canvas basically and the way that album turned out to be you know i I, you know one of another 10 record Uh and for that to be so close to the eraser just is you know so jarring to me yeah well actually you know so you you raise an interesting question is the next thing i wanted to get to which is what was york trying to accomplish with this album. So Pitchfork 6.6 review, pretty damning. I think, you know, if, if you're around at this point uh, of Pitchfork, the idea of Pitchfork giving a bad score to something radio-related yeah. at this time was just mind-boggling. Unheard of. Um, but their review, I think, is pretty reflective of wider opinion at the time. They call it a, quote, solo quickie, a modest record that, unlike Radiohead's albums, is, quote, not an attempt to remake the wheel, but rather pretty much exactly the kind of thing you'd expect York to make in his bedroom. They even speculate that it was released just a few weeks after the initial announcement in order to mitigate against the weight of expectation. Johnny Greenwood also said that Tom would go mad if every time he wrote a song it had to go through the Radiohead consensus, and yet a lot of people felt like most of these tunes, you know, were missing Radiohead's input so do you think this is like a deliberately kind of low-key affair like he was like i don't want this to be a masterpiece or was he trying to do you get the sense he's trying to like get hits or even step out of the gate like i'm tom york and i can stand without radiohead Nah, i i kind of feel like and maybe it's projecting but i kind of feel like it's it's tom needing to do something you know like and he's he's making these songs you know like you said on on the tour bus and downtime you know whatever probably just to keep himself busy and uh you know if you you made them why why not put them out you know why not make some some money off of it you know uh yeah i mean i i think that 
I, I don't know, you know, obviously we're not there in the studio or in the whole songwriting process, but I think enough has been written and said that the, uh, the process of writing a Radiohead record sounds brutal. Yeah. You know, it yeah. sounds incredibly time consuming and energy consuming. Um, and there's, you know, there's just this whole buildup and, and the weight of expectation album after album, this just like the way it's described, I mean, for it to be released right after that, I mean, I honestly think that this was meant to just be, you know, a low key thing. Like, Hey, I've got these extra songs that I, that I've been working on. I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. Cause it's not a Radiohead release or not. You know, um, it's not like there was a, an eraser tour world tour that followed <laughs> this record or anything. It was just like a side project, like, you know, somebody like a, you know, a Da Vinci, just a one-off small time painting or something that he just wanted to work on instead of, I don't know, whatever masterpiece that he was currently working on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, and there's even kind of like a just funness to when he did tour, which I don't know when exactly it is, because the timeline doesn't make sense to me if like in Rainbows came out so soon. I don't know if he toured immediately or if he waited a little bit, but, um, you know, that's when the band Adams for Peace forms because he mm-hmm. kind of gets like Flea in there and, you know, other stuff. And it's like, you know, it feels like kind of fun. Like, oh, let's just have like a, do a fun. We're all it's all of our side projects. I think like a guy from R.E.M. was in it and stuff. And it it's like, oh, this will be a side project for all of us. To me, it feels sort of lightweight and intentionally kind of um, low key yeah. like that. And yet he almost can't help himself but try to craft like an album with a nice arc and like a grand crescendo with symbol mm-hmm. rush and everything and i appreciate that but do you think that you know is this what you kind of prefer i mean like you know because do you wish that tom york at this time had been like you know had gone like david lee roth and been like here i am you know i don't need van halen <laughs> or whatever and like or do you are you kind of glad that we have like an album that's just kind of his sketchbook yeah i think it's perfectly fine i i would rather we got this than radiohead break up you know well, uh, certainly <laughs> you know. but i mean no and not for them break up but like him, him trying to make a big statement you know would you yeah. rather he did that no because i think like like radiohead is his like his baby or whatever you know like yeah. that's his his or, artistic output this is just maybe you know the little side thing you did for fun like you said touring those are probably his friends you know, it's yeah. probably it's way more low key than like the Radiohead World Tour, you know, where they got semis bringing giant light shows and stuff. You know, it's probably f- like a lot of fun to do that kind of thing. And, you know, that that that's just what this feels like. And, you know, I, I sort of prefer that because it, it doesn't like mm. nobody was like, oh, my God, is Radiohead going to break up after yeah. this? You know, like. Because yeah. it, it didn't ever feel like that. It didn't feel like Tom's yeah. like, I don't need Radiohead. That's true. You know, right. he, yeah, here, I, here's a Radiohead record, you know? It doesn't feel I like mean, that. I, I'm sure Tom York has plenty of ego, but I think you need a lot of ego to be like a David Lee. Yeah, yeah. Of like, <laughs> I don't need Van Halen anymore. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah but it, I mean, it would be, it, it's like an interesting alternate history. Like, what if, you know, not like trying to break up or not trying to like go ego mode, but just like, what if he actually sought out to try to make something as good as Radiohead. You know, it just feels like yeah. he didn't, and maybe that's for the best. But anyway, I think all of this ties really interestingly to the King of Limps, which we should turn to now and kind of bounce back and forth. Um, but first, let's fill out, like, the next chapter of our personal histories. How did you feel about In Rainbows, which dropped in 2007, toward the end of 2007? How hyped were you for the King of Limbs when it came out in 2011? And what were your first impressions? I, um... I- 
I loved In Rainbows. Uh, in fact, I, like I think In Rainbows might be my favorite Radiohead record. Um, it's like wow. you know, sometimes I'll listen to it, and I think it. You know, sometimes you listen to Kid A or something, but it, it's definitely like top two or three. Uh, so I love that record. I have since the day it came out. Um, I, so I was you know very hyped in any Radiohead record since I've been a fan, which sure you know I, I I've was hyped for and then uh like i actually remember like when this came out i was going to the fair with uh like a group of some of our other friends and uh this like dropped uh like early like late late at night like into the morning whatever yeah uh, or leaked whichever um i remember like i think they just released it early oh yeah 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 that's that's what it was a day early (laughs) yeah yeah that's what it was i remember like waking up hearing like hearing that that had happened and uh you know downloading it like listening to it luckily it was short you know listening to it getting ready yeah uh, and then you know in the car on the way to the fair like listen to it you know probably two or three times um i i was i was pretty into it um like from the get-go um so much so that like the sort of disappointment with it surprised me a little bit oh so uh for me i with within rainbows i remember like vividly uh, staying up late, I think it was actually a school night, and um, <laughs> staying up late, waiting for that album to drop, and listening to it like two or three times in a row, like before going to bed, because I was just so hyped and so excited. Just like you kind of mentioned, Gabe, this was like the first, you know, Radiohead, full yeah. Radiohead mm-hmm. album release that since I had become a fan, what was coming out. So I was just all about it, and I felt like it was an instant classic. Like I just loved it from the moment. It came out. Now, some of the songs I had already heard because they were obviously playing right. them on their tour and stuff. So I was, I was really, really excited. I the bootlegs at that time. Yeah, well. I was really excited to hear how they finished up with those and stuff. Um, so I was kind of already like already leaning towards loving it. And it, <laughs> yeah. it just blew me away. And even at, at this point, I'm willing to say I don't know if it's the best Radiohead record, but it's definitely like the greatest like one that is like the like the, it's the easiest to come back to and like yeah to. you know sometimes i feel like i completely agree i think kid that. a is still my favorite radiohead record but i feel like i have to like prepare myself to yeah, listen to that yeah. entire record you know in one sitting with radio with in rainbows it's like i could throw it on basically anytime and it's just it's great um as far as like the king of limbs you know i was excited i mean i'm mean, excited about every radiohead release but uh not as excited i suppose as like in rainbows um but I was kind of like immediately disappointed by it. I, I suppose we'll get further into that, but yeah. Okay. Well, I, um, yeah, within Rainbows, I, yeah, followed the whole lead up very closely. We'll talk about this a little bit more, but obviously there was the pay what you want thing oh, that yeah, blew yeah. everybody's minds. And I paid zero, <laughs> loved it, loved it so much. I went back and gave them $15. Oh, and man. So, like, you gave more than like they deserve it. I, I bought wow, the box I, set, so I give them like ninety. Oh, oh, that's true. I did that too. I did that too. Oh, still do you, got you it. still wow. have it? Yeah, I still have it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So I was just completely obsessed. Still love it. King of Limbs. Uh, yeah, funny, kind of an interesting like album release experience. Which, like you said, Dan, I this is just back in the time of my life when I don't know why, but I would just stay up till like six in the morning, just like, yeah, on four chan or yep. something, <laughs> oh, like doing God. nothing and just listening to music or whatever, and then just like. You know, I'm I'm excited for whatever two days from then when uh, the King of Limbs is supposed to come out. But all of a sudden, there's posts like it's out early. Uh, it's on their website and or whatever. And so 
you know, I'm, I just stayed up until like, whatever. I don't even know if I went to bed. I stayed up to like <laughs> eight or nine AM just listening to the King of Limbs over and over again. And yeah, I think there was sort of an underwhelming feeling for me at the time. I got really convinced, which we'll talk about this as well, by the conspiracy theories that this is part one of a two-part album. Um, but let's describe the sound of King of Limb. So a little bit of background, whereas In Rainbows was developed, the band has said, from live performances, the King of Limbs was constructed from samples, like I mentioned, of the band playing, uh, which were then like looped and edited and obviously combined with with you know them perhaps playing over the top you know you get the the feeling that they're like two drummers all the time pretty much um but lots of glitching and looping so how how else would you describe the sound of the king of limbs yeah i mean it does sound like uh um like produced like like it doesn't sound like a a band um playing it like like you know you'd hear a bar or something you know it, it sounds put together not in like a bad way just like in a electronic music kind of uh way it also feels yeah. like a little uh it's got like more room to breathe than a lot of other radiohead stuff especially uh maybe in rainbows um like like there's like, just what do you mean like there's just sometimes there's empty space uh i feel like in this record mm. like it, it's got like uh you can get inside of it whereas uh, like like Darren and all mentioned uh, during our racer thing, like a lot of Radiohead's like very uh, dense, densely layered and everything. Right. Uh, and stuff is here. Uh, just I feel like at times there's more atmosphere and uh, and and uh, room in it. What would you add, Darren? Yeah, I mean, I I think I agree. Um, I feel like there is a lot of like kind of empty space. I feel like there's a lot of like meandering kind of in the uh uh and throughout the album you know and i guess what i mean by that is sort of just like taking something one idea and sort of like jamming it and jamming yes, it and yes. maybe adding a few layers here because that's because they have multiple band members to do that with but um i don't it, it just it doesn't uh i don't know it just doesn't seem to go anywhere a lot of these songs like they don't have that classic radiohead like moving moments of you know like just awe um yeah. they just kind of stay pretty steady in the middle and and c- come and go you know what i mean like I, I i don't know how else to like really describe it i mean to me it it actually contrasts really interestingly with the eraser because if, if the eraser is like too songy for me um this is like almost not songy it's really about <laughs> vibes rather than songs right. and Honestly, that's like the kind of music that I like. You know, it's there are choruses sometimes and stuff, or something you could call a chorus, but a lot of times it's just like sort of this vibe, like these loops or whatever, and they're just going to kind of like feel it and jam it a little bit. Um, And, you know, in fact, I wish they would, you know, jam almost all these songs longer because they, it's almost like they're treated, I think what you're saying, uh, Darren, they're almost treated like, you know, a four minute pop song but they're just definitely not yeah. they're just kind of like a groove um right. but as far as like the instrumentation and stuff yeah it's so I, I think it's much denser while also agreeing with you dan that there is a lot of space but it's just much denser also than the eraser um lots of that layering that we were talking about missing from the eraser and you know i always think of this album i was sort of compared in my brain to like something like a forest you know it it um the cover art has like these sort of spooky forest creatures or something but it, it just uh reminds me of like the music video for there there i don't oh, know if you guys yeah. remember that yeah, he's like yeah, kind yeah. of running through in like this weird that was my first experience motion. with radiohead and i thought it was they were like the strangest band yeah <laughs> yeah 
it's like a weird like going in the woods with like spooky uh you know whatever the grim fairy tales stuff goes on it just sounds an album that sounds like that and instrumentally it feels uh like really dense like that like being in like a dense wood or something and yet it's kind of like the tale of two albums despite how short it is because it's like the first half you get almost like these afrobeat kind of like yeah uh plucky uh grooves that are like sort of interlocking and like lots of polyrhythms it feels like and stuff and it's just so dense and you feel like you could never pick everything out and yet all of a sudden in the second half like it just gets so spacious and empty you know you know what i'm saying dan yeah exactly i i was gonna say i in the first like half of this record like i love the drums and i think that's one reason that i've always sort of liked this record and especially you know from the get-go and everything like like the drums and bloom it it is it's like a weird like electronic uh afro beat kind of thing like yeah that you know it like almost feels wrong you know it's like a it's like a right. rhythm you're not you're not so used to I, I i love the drums um in that first half but yeah that sort of uh goes away which that works a little better you know on actual you know literal literal record uh than it does as most people listen to it you know yeah what, what do you make of that sort of transition darren yeah, I think I, I I guess I never really thought of it quite that way because the album just feels so short. You know, it felt short to begin with, like, and I felt like we never got anywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and you know, I I suppose you're talking about like Lotus Flower kind of being the start of that second half, mm-hmm. right? Um, I mean, it's still got that like beat. It does seem to like get a lot more spacious there, but then like Codex is just a piano yeah, ballad yeah, with like yeah. sort of a low pulse, sort of driving the song, and then. It just feels like Johnny is just like twiddling knobs and like, you know, messing with reverbs and stuff. Um, I don't even know what the rest of the band is doing, but and then (laughs) and then like weirdly, you know, the very next song, Give Up the Ghost is is the same thing with like guitar kind of. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Did you did you guys see them on this tour? No. Yeah, I did. did. You did. Mm -hmm. You remember like how the uh, stage looked like with those really long. Yeah, like the long light bars. Yeah. That would like, they look like rain sometimes and stuff. Right. And so yeah, yeah. I, I, I vividly like remember that. I remember like when they were playing some of these songs and I actually felt like I enjoyed them more live on like the live uh-huh. space because they were obviously having to play more with their instruments, obviously, than just, they used loops and stuff with, you know, effect pedals and everything, which was fine. But it gave it a little more life to me. Like a lot of this record to okay. me just feels a little like stale almost you know what i mean like it just it's lacking something in each of the songs that just doesn't really now now granted there are definitely some songs i love like codex is i think a gorgeous gorgeous song and actually feels a little bit different than most of the record right but and do you feel like the you know because one thing i one hang up i have is like it feels like johnny is kind of like adding some weird sound manipulation in the distant background because like the record so far has sort of required that um do you feel like it's contributing to the song or it's really just a beautiful piano ballad that kind of doesn't need that stuff i mean i like it i think it's very like radiohead and like when the like horns kind of like kick in i mean that is like again like a like pyramid song is what i kind of think of when i when i listen to that song so i i that to me felt very familiar uh radiohead wise a lot of the rest of the record record just didn't quite feel as familiar 
Yeah, I think I think those little like uh, accompaniments, like yeah, I think that's what stops it from sort of sounding like the eraser does, you know, like yeah, and, yeah. And, and missing thing. Yeah, I just think you know, for me, like my biggest hangup is that I, I really like the jammy vibe uh, on the first half of the record, and then it sort of transitions into like this ending, and I feel like it hasn't really earned that yet because it just you know lotus flower is kind of a banger i mean it's it's pretty spacious but it's like very fun and it's fun video too yeah yeah it's it's very dancing crazy yeah and it's like it actually feels very danceable and it's just like i think it's just a gorgeous song because it's like the chorus actually like de-escalates the groove a lot you know and then so then when it kicks back in on the verse it's like really really awesome but just you know, in the blink of an eye, we're on the codex, which is so empty and spacious and feels kind of like Tom York sitting at a piano, you know, and there's like a little bit of sounds and the horns and stuff are really nice. Um, then we go immediately to another one. But I, I mean, I think Give Up the Ghost is a great song. I love how there's kind of like multiple vocals going on. Yeah. You know, some of them are like mm-hmm. really distorted and stuff. And they're, they start like sort of intersecting with like different melodies and stuff. Um, it almost feels like sort of a fucked up blues song or something, but I could kind of imagine like almost somebody in a coffee shop, like playing this, you know, um, it, that's how kind of like tight of a song it feels like, but just too like after just the densest kind of Afro beat, weird, glitchy, like flying Lotus style thing, you then just all of a sudden get the, these two songs that both sound like closers. Yeah. Like, isn't that awkward? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it, I think the record would benefit from like the that first half breathing more, and and then there there should just be a couple extra songs or something that that split up. Um, you know, though those yes. two, and, and the, it the, needs like one, like what, at least one. one yeah. Well, I, I like if if you put a song in between Codex and Give Up the Ghost, and then one between Give Up the Ghost and Separator, I feel like you know that that would help a lot. You know, it would it would really like make this record. Something that I, I think would, everyone would do. You, do you like. feel like Separator is a good closer, though? I feel like it's a great song before the closer to me. Well, yeah, actually, it's difficult because it has like this kind of nice, like joyous sort of like coda feel. You know, the album seems to have like a little story of being like, I mean, it gets quite, gets quite hairy there, I think, like in this woods that I'm imagining, <laughs> like on Feral. It just sounds like horrifying. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's like the first song where, and it actually sort of continues through the rest of the album in an interesting way where like, you know, they're, they're, he's like sampling uh, them playing their instruments, but then sampling and fucking with Tom's voice becomes like a major part of it. And Farrell is just that, you know, just like it's almost like amnesiac level fucked up. Mm-hmm. And um, and anyway, I, I feel like Separator is like the happy version of that. Like, oh, we made it out of the woods or something. It just feels like a really nice ending. Um but the the problem is that both Codex and Give Up the Ghosts feel like, you know, proper closing songs. Maybe like Separator just doesn't feel, Darren, like a proper closing song after those two. Yeah, that might that might have something to do with it. It's just to me, it feels like, like you mentioned, you have these two closers and then like suddenly things pick up a little bit with uh, yeah. Separator mm. just seems very, very awkward, I guess. And, it, you know, it's not like every Radiohead record needs a an amazing closer or whatever like uh the tourist or whatever you know what i mean like it doesn't have to have that but you kind of gave us two closers 
right before the song. So to me, and I think that sort of adds to the fact that I felt like, oh, this isn't, this is only like one half of the record, you know? Never mind the fact that like Tommy <laughs> right, was saying, right. if you think this is over, then you're wrong or whatever. Right. He said, yeah, it was a big clue. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you, I mean, what do you think of the pacing and sequencing here and the ending, Dan? Yeah. Like, I mean, like I said, I, I think it needs like something, like something to separate those all three songs that like could be closers. Like they, they need, they need separator needs separating from, from, you know, <laughs> hey. I'm, I'm almost okay with like how it goes. I just think something between Lotus flower and codex like needs to kind of slowly deescalate us. Actually, um, one of the, uh, singles, um, from this period staircase i think would be kind of a cool oh, yeah that, i think that's a that great should definitely great song. have been on this record um and i want to return to that but i think part of what we're kind of getting at i want to jump ahead just a little bit is like what radiohead was trying to accomplish with this album so tom york said if if we're going to carry on we need to do it for a new set of reasons um and cover artist stanley donwood said that whereas in rainbows was very much a definitive statement the band wanted to make an album that was more transitory so then it was fitting that it was criticized for not being like another Radiohead milestone and not revolutionizing the way albums are released, you know, the way that their previous album had. I mean, that must have been a lot of fucking pressure to be like, not only do we have to like change music, we have to change the music industry with every album now. Um, but Pitchfork 7.9 Review basically reflects that. It says the band's signature game-changing ambition is missed. And of course, the length uh, was a big problem for a lot of people. And it added to that kind of like transitory quality. So. You know, what's weird to me is that I I 100% get this, that like sometimes what you got to do is people have really gotten accustomed to you making a masterpiece every time. And we were just talking earlier about why Tom York might have wanted to make the eraser because like probably making Radiohead albums is a a drag. Like you got to do a whole lot of work to like make it perfect, you know, and everybody's expecting perfection. And And after in Rainbows, people are expecting like even higher levels of perfection. And so... I get why it's almost like with King of Limbs, they were like, this is going to be short. We're not going to like labor over it too much. Like let's make music fun again and just kind of like do some jamming. Like we're not going to like, you know, work these songs out to where they're absolutely perfect. Like we're going to do some just grooves and stuff. And yet the album is sort of undercutting that mission a little bit by trying to have an arc that feels really rushed. You know, we talked about like a, on Kanye West, yay to bring him up for the second time, how <laughs> it's got like a redemption arc, you know, across like seven songs or whatever. It feels like really weird um, to, you know, that quick. He's like going from thinking about killing you to like, now everything's good. Um, King of limbs to a lesser extent, you know, it, it does that thing. Like, Oh, we're skittering in the dense, mysterious forest. Now we're like sort of into this like tranquil kind of spacious open thing. And now we've even got separator, which is like a coda. It's got like separator is like a coda, like the happy, like as the credits roll. And it even has an interlude track with feral. Like you don't have a lot of space to be doing codas (laughs) and interlude tracks. So you guys kind of get what I'm saying. Like, like I can appreciate that it's meant to be sort of a lesser, more fun, carefree thing. And yet they're kind of undermining it. Yeah. I, I I mean, I think it's, to speak to the, uh, you know, just sort of like laying back. I think that's fine, especially after, I mean, how many classics after classics d- mm-hmm. did they release, you know? It, I think sort of the best thing to do is to not try to top it. You know, when you get to that point where like basically the only the only way to go is down, 
and right. you know you're never gonna top it you might as well like kind of purposely let your let yourself down easy you know um and so i i don't see a, uh, any sort of problem with that but yeah i think they do undermine it a little bit because i agree with you it does feel like there is some sort of like narrative arc uh, of this record that is like it's a feature length arc that's in a short film uh package um but it's maybe maybe it's just hard to turn that off you know like since they've been doing that for all these records like uh beforehand yeah like, maybe it's just like hard to not accidentally do it yeah oh i mean maybe it had it would have been too easy to include staircase and a couple other songs and make this yeah. similar to another radiohead record i mean how many bands when you look at their disc discography have at least three objective classics that yeah, exactly. change the way we music is is done you know what i mean like hard probably none right i mean i i think it's much better i i much more prefer them sort of exploring the way i feel like they are on this record than retreading ground that they've kind of already covered you know what i mean i'm not necessarily yeah. saying they're pushing the envelope but i feel like they're sort of like whittling it's, down it's, at, at at something that is very like radiohead ish because it's not like we haven't heard stuff like this before you know this isn't like breaking new ground by any means but to me yeah. this sounds like a much more focused like let's not try to push the envelope or change things let's just like whittle you know let's let's really drill down into something specific here you know maybe it's like this is like a jam record or something i, I don't yeah. know yeah yeah, I, I mean, I think there's there's that, but there's also something about like, you know, it's really weird, and and we can kind of return to this a little bit, but it's like there are four songs that come from this period um, that were released as singles later, um, and I think that some like weren't totally finished or whatever, but you know, like there was no deadline that they had to get the King of Limbs done by, you know, like their label would have been fine with them, you know, taking a little extra time, I'm sure, but it's like it feels like they purposely did not put these songs on it because they didn't want people to think like this was a big statement. Like they really wanted it to feel small. Like that was really important to them. And so it's a very short track list. Uh, they could have padded it out, but then everybody would be like, Oh, this is like a 45 minute thing. And it's not a huge step forward. What a disaster. Instead, it's almost like they were trying to, you know, do something like, Hey, Everybody, this is small. Like, this is not going to be a masterpiece. Like, shouting it from the rooftops. You know what I'm saying, yeah. Dan? Yeah, and, I like, that is one thing I like about this record. And, you know, now in 2016, we have, like, the, this record's 37 minutes. I don't think people would even say, like, oh, that's short, you know. <laughs> that is another good point. It's, actually. like, kind of normal length now. So, again, you know, they sort of were ahead of everybody. <laughs> we just didn't know it yet. <laughs> yeah, but I, think th but I think that's good because, yeah, when you when you have something that's a smaller package, like you know some people like sort of called this like an ep like i mean the if you get the actual like vinyl it it is just a 10 inch uh you know mm. a two 10 inch records um you know so it almost like is a little ep ish uh especially uh of the time um and you know i i feel like w the way we're talking about like ah uh, you know they're trying to to like mitigate the 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 disappointment and stuff like implies that that we think this record's bad and all um like i don't yeah, i don't should. think that i think i think it's i think it's fine that they did it you know it, it's hard to to say that in well a do way you that, think it's like a great record i don't think it's like a great record i mean it's a great record it's not like the greatest radiohead record if that if that like makes sim sense. simply because it doesn't aspire 
to be. Yeah, I mean, you know? like it, it, it sort of aspires to be uh, second tierish. Um, but again, you know, that sounds like bad. Uh, but it's like you got to remember, like a band like this that has so many like records that are game changing and classic and stuff. You know, like a second tier version of that is is better than a lot of people's top tier. Um, but yeah, I think like it just sort of aims to to be that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to say because like I can't imagine, you know, OK Computer and Kid A like starting out as like, yeah, let's change the game, guys. Let's make a record that's gonna, yeah, you know, you, blow everybody's minds. I mean, I, I you just, don't think so. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if if at the outset you're you're intending to do that. I'm not saying that it was just an accident either. Um, and at no, the same I, time, I, I, I can't imagine they go into the record studio and saying, "All right, guys." we're not this is not going to be in rainbows all right we're just gonna we're gonna do something lesser than that on purpose you know i get what, what you mean i i get what you mean and i agree with you like nobody goes in this you know the studio and says all right this is gonna be the greatest record ever made i think some people do like i think that you know like kanye i don't know yeah, why i keep okay, bringing him yeah. up today kanye but it's like probably does but, but yeah, no you know. no but i mean not not out of like you know, <laughs> you know being an yeah, maniac, know, but it's like it's not that. It's that he's like when he made my beautiful dark twist of fantasy. You can just feel that he was like, yeah. I want this to be my magnum opus. Like that's what I'm. That's what I'm shooting for. I'm not shooting for like an EP or whatever. You know, this is going to be the thing. And I feel like, you know, maybe it maybe it develops sort of organically. But I just feel like Radiohead wouldn't release something unless they thought it was a big step forward. They're just that kind of band. And I feel like they sit down and they go, Let's get this thing like perfect you know, before we show it to the world. And this one, it just, based on like reading their interviews, they just feel like so worn down yeah, like, by yeah, having we're, done we're that. We're not going to repeat that again because it was such a miserable experience. Let's try something a bit like easier, right? Is that what you're sort of thinking? Yeah. I mean, it's almost like, you know, the eraser, which is like <laughs> Tom has these songs, you know, and he's just kind of like, you know, there's the whole Radiohead gauntlet, you know, that I got to, you got to go through to like get things passed. And, you know, I just want to do this. I just want to knock these songs out, you know, while I'm on the tour bus. Like, it's going to be fun. And I'm going to jam with my friends when I tour it, you know. And it almost feels like Radiohead ends up doing the same thing themselves, which is, like, let's just have fun with this. Like, let's not make it uh, such a drag, you know. And so it's it's weird because, I don't know, Darren, do you think of this as a, you know, maybe not a great record, but is it, you know, a really good record? I hesitate to even want to call it really good. Um, I mean, if we're I mean, talk- basically, do you feel like they they succeeded at what they were trying to do, but that that makes for not a good album, or do you feel like they actually just kind of failed at making a quick, fun thing? I mean, I think in some ways it is a bit of a failure, only because if if they had succeeded at making like a quick, fun thing, I think there would be I would be eager to like come back to it, you know, like as like a I want a different refreshing take on radiohead and that's not really how i feel like if i'm in a mood for the mood for radiohead i'm going to in rainbows i'm going you're going for a masterpiece okay computer i i might visit the bends like the king of limbs and even a moon-shaped pool for that matter are kind of low on that on that list Hmm. i i like this record but i do agree with you darren that this is sort of like when i listen to this album it's because i'm like running through the whole discography or i've sort of exhausted uh the other ones or something like if i'm just gonna go back to radiohead it's usually in rainbows um but yeah it's it's rarely king of limbs and in fact like moonshape pool i tried listening to this week and 
you know, I, I don't, I don't, it didn't, it didn't last for me. I don't think. Whoa. Yeah. That's something like we reviewed just, that though. Didn't we on, uh, we did. Yeah. It, Go listen it, to that. Uh, <laughs> well, we're, I think we're going to repost that. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, we are. It'll be um, a review of the OK Computer uh, reissue box set and then uh, a moon-shaped pool. Nice. Yeah, I mean, it just came out a couple of years ago, and yeah. I already feel like it needs to be revisited because <laughs> yeah, exactly. like, the reception is not matching up or something. Um, but yeah, as far as King of Limbs, you know, honestly, though, I feel like I am a Radiohead fan such that I cannot like put okay computer on anymore like i've just done it too much mm-hmm. and when i when i'm in a radiohead mood i reach for like amnesiac or the king of limbs like a weird one because they're the ones that i haven't spent you know thousands of hours yeah. you know with and they're the ones that remain kind of mysterious because they're, they're a little bit like of an enigma you know they're a little bit hard to figure out and i really feel like after this week listening to a lot of the king of limbs that like the first half, I have kind of like the problem that you you were saying earlier you have with the eraser, Dan, which is like the first half gets me so hyped about it. And then it just like kind of ends suddenly. I'm so into the jamming. They should have like, I've said this before, I think. But the key is when you when you have like expectations you can't possibly live up to, you got to put up like a very challenging and divisive album. You know, like they should have just been like doing these Afrobeat glitchy jams over the course of like a double album, you know, and every yeah. song would be like 18 minutes or something. Yeah. And then I, you'd have, you'd have like, it'd have a reason for being like, there'd be people that would yes. like really defend it, you know, as their most challenging and like rewarding yes. work. And there'd be people who totally hate it. Like, and then after that, you're kind of free to do whatever you want. This is what they should have done. I think I agree with you because like, it would become a record that like, even if I didn't like it at first, it's like, I, I got to come back to it. Like yeah. it's, it's Radiohead's double album. There's so much <laughs> right. there, you know, like there's gotta be something there to me. When I look at, I'm like looking at the list of the discographies right now. And like, when I look at King of Limbs, I'm like short Radiohead record moving on. You know what I mean? Like there's like <laughs> yeah. what, what, you know, it needed an identity and, and something like what you described, Gabe, I'm already like, yeah, I'm on board for that. You know? <laughs> Yeah, so um, so one question we kind of touched on a little bit, um, and maybe already answered, but you know what would happen if you added the non-album singles from this period? We got Super Collider, The Butcher, The Daily Mail, and Staircase. I've noticed that, um, I mean, Super Collider, The Butcher, I think is just okay, and a lot of people feel that way. But there's there are people who really say, like, if you read Rate Your Music, there are a lot of people who say, like, The Daily Mail, Staircase, Single is better than all of king of limbs um and they are both knockout songs and there are also a lot of people so at this time they released um the king of limbs live from the basement which is like sort of a live in studio performance and there are a lot of people that say that that is better than the king of limbs because it actually does add these songs and mix up the track list a little bit and feels a little bit more complete what do you guys think about that yeah, I listened to that King of Limbs uh, live from the basement today, and I hadn't listened to it since probably when it came out. You know, I watched the video or whatever. Um, uh-huh. And I remember like thinking that that was like really great and really awesome. And today I like sort of struggled to to get through it. It it, huh. it was like a little boring. And I thought like the songs like sounded all sort of stilted, like the, the, the performances just weren't like as good as the hmm. uh, the actual record. Um you know, Daily Mail and Staircase are are good songs. Um, I, I like both of them, and they are good on the 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 live from the basement thing. But I think I don't know. You you either could use them as like what I was saying, like putting those two as like the separators uh, of the end of the record. But then 
you, you risk of the you know we tried to make a regular Radiohead record yeah, and maybe we right. don't live up to it or Which you can, did not want to do exactly or you can go this route like like I said and keep it small and not have those in there but still release them as a single, which is a little tricky. You know, you're still getting them out there. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, and you and you do this. So I sort of like it, it. It depends on their goal. If their goal was to keep it light, keep it small, I think they succeed. If it that wasn't their goal, then maybe they should have uh, stuck them in there. Yeah, I mean, I like the uh, the basement stuff. I don't. Th- I certainly don't think it's better than the record itself. Um, was this was this also like they they filmed this right and were yeah, they, like, yeah separated in like rooms or something like that or like or were they all in one big room it was one big room right I think they were in a big room yeah, yeah okay, I don't remember I it's been remember. so long but um you know I I felt like I think at the time when Staircase came out like wasn't Tom York talking about like yeah maybe we'll just release songs yeah he was yeah, doing albums and to me I just have always associated that idea with those songs that like they just wouldn't fit on the record like with this the way the idea of this record seems to come about it just seems like it would be a bit of bloat which is weird to say about you know an eight song radiohead record but i just feel like they would not make the record better i guess yeah i mean i think that super glider and the butcher feel like bloat like they're just whatever but the daily mail and silkers are, are, are really fantastic um i do think you run into that problem of of adding them um but one thing that i did not know until today i wonder if you guys know it but the um daily mail staircase single is actually uh just like kind of properly mixed and mastered uh performance from live at the basement like oh, that's I what didn't. they are i did oh, wow. they sound so good it's crazy because like i think that you know the king of limbs live from the basement has not been released on cd i don't think it's just dvd and so if you have it downloaded it's like a dvd rip and it really just sounds like the the mixing is very poor, yeah. I think. And it's like really quiet. It's really awkward how there's so much like studio chatter <laughs> in between every song. It right. like really kills the I vibe. I understand it's, what they're saying. Yeah, it's not no. built for headphones. Yeah. And if if they like if they did this mastering job that they did on this single for the whole thing and cut out the studio chatter, it might be better than uh the King of Limbs. Honestly, because it sounds fantastic and I think the performances, unlike you, Dan, I think are really cool. Um, so that's got to be like a TBD. I, I'll agree when I hear it in proper uh, versions. But <laughs> King of Limbs, Naked or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah there you there go. We go. There you go. Um, okay, so sort of um, summing up, although there's a lot that I want to sum up. Um, so do you kind of feel, you know, like looking back now that there's some... Um, there is some relationship between the Eraser and King of Limbs. Does it feel like Radiohead slash Tom like learned something or continued developing something? Some ideas were started with the Eraser. Uh, kind of not. You know, the Eraser feels like the era of Hail of the Thief and Rainbows uh, to me. King of Limbs, you know, it's not these little songs like we talked about. If it, it feels a little different, you know. Um, I mean, I think that that they did learn something here i mean i I feel like the eraser was an easier recording process for tom york i feel like the king of limbs was probably an easier you know recording process for radiohead um and i feel like they might have enjoyed that because i i kind of think the moon-shaped pool sort of continues Mm -hmm. this era this sort of trend that that started maybe with the eraser you know what i mean like i feel like in rainbows doesn't really fit in with 
with this era of Radiohead. Yeah. Um, you know, I, it just, I get the feeling that in rainbows was such a drag for some reason, like it was really hard. And, you know, I kind of wonder if they were like, should we just break up? And, (laughs) and then Tom was like, actually the eraser was really fun because I didn't give a fuck like about making it perfect. What if we did that? You know, I could just (laughs) sort of imagine like, yeah, you know, that, that seems to be like in a band, it's not really remarkable, uh, in its own right, but in the case of Radiohead, these two albums that are kind of like low key, kind of tossed off things, they really stand out. You know, like that's to me that feels like the only time these are the only times that Radiohead has allowed themselves to do it. Um, do you guys kind of wish, like, you know, because what between um, King of Limbs and Moonshine Pool, that was like five years, almost six years. Um, you know, do you wish we would get like more Radiohead, but just less masterful quality kind of stuff? No, I don't. You know, I don't mind the wait. I, I feel like it would, um, it would cheapen it. You know, if you got if every year we got a new Radiohead record, it would stop being so exciting when you got a new Radiohead record. So I honestly yeah. like with bands like this and stuff. I I kind of like the slow uh, release schedule because uh, it, it you know just it's more exciting, gets you more hyped up. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it last week, though, with Autechre. Like, I even mentioned Radiohead. Like, what if between albums, Radiohead released, like, seven EPs, you know, that sort of showed, like, every step along their development, like Autechre does. And, you know, they'd be a very different band, but there might be something interesting about that. You think so, Darren? No, and I I think even, you know, last time I I mentioned, I, I think that would hurt... You know, there'd just be would be too much Radiohead. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't think I want to hear all of that. Cause, you, know, you you can explore the B sides for that stuff. I mean, they have a lot of them, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're fun to listen to. But I don't think I would want like an EP after EP. You know what I mean? Even at this point, like it's it's really weird the way I feel about Radiohead because they're so accomplished. Like they're already the greatest band that has basically ever been around, you know, at least in, in recent times. Right. And they have such a storied history. They've got like several incredible albums, like game changing albums. They're still together. They're still, they're still putting music out. You know what I mean? Um, and every release, I, I never really expect, I, I hate, I don't want to say like a return to form because that's really not how I feel about, a moon-shaped pool or the king of limbs because those aren't like attempts to like return to in rainbows kid a or anything like that but i don't my expectations are lower they're just lower you know what i mean like i just don't expect to be completely blown away by radiohead i want to see them just you know challenge me as a listener to to just think about something differently like the game i know the double album thing that you mentioned like just something like that would just be you know, yeah. so interesting and would really r- spark a new interest in them because it's something they have never done before. You know, if they come out with another 12 or 13 track album, 40 minutes, 45 minutes or whatever, I, I, you know, I, I'll be excited, I guess, but I just won't be thinking and I probably won't think that it's that amazing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. They've I mean, well, here, here's the real dilemma. The real dilemma is that. I, for a long time, like every Radiohead release, I feel like worried that it's going to be the last one. And it's because they're the kind of band that like doesn't seem like they're willing to release something unless it is a game changing masterpiece. And the King of Limbs was like the only time in their history that they kind of were like, fuck it. 
let's just put something out. Yeah. And would you rather have a bunch of King of Limbs, you know, or no Radiohead at all? Huh. Yeah. I, 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 I think I would say no, no Radiohead. To wow. Be yeah. I mean, wow. They've I, already, they've done so much already. I, I agree. You know, like, like it's kind of good that the Beatles broke up when they did, you know, like we, they, we didn't get a bad Beatles record. And yeah. at this point, you know, we haven't got like a bad Radiohead record. Um, but, you know, this one's maybe a little lackluster. So if you're just getting lackluster after lackluster, you know, then it, that becomes bad. Um, yeah. I and, and I, you know, it, it cheapens it, you know, like, like you have to say like, oh, I, you know, I loved Radiohead, you know, from, from before, you know, uh, in rainbows or whatever, you know, like you, yeah, you have to do true. that. It, it, I would kind of rather have a band that's, you know, 10, all 10 tens or, or close to it, you know. Than a band with a bunch of ten tens and then some sixes yeah. and sevens. Should I, I just, should Dylan have stopped releasing new records? Oh, don't ask him that. He can't. Uh, yeah, he can't that's a whole other podcast. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I, I just it's I think it's really interesting to revisit these two albums, The Eraser and The King of Limbs, and like imagine an alternate history where Radiohead weren't such perfectionists, and like what would the world be like? Um, yeah. But in sort of you know reflecting back on these albums from or especially, especially the King of Limbs from 2019. Uh, it's like, I was struck, like you said, Dan, by how kind of funny it is that 37 minutes is really not a short album at all. It just felt like that at the time for some reason, um, you know, where it was like shaking people's worlds. Like there has to be another one. Um, <laughs> another thing that's kind of funny is that, and we talked a lot about this on our episode, uh, why are albums getting so short and so long, which you should listen to if you're interested in this, but you know, King of Limbs, like, if if they had released it a few years later, they would have just called it a mixtape. And then there'd be no <laughs> expectations. I mean, I'm, I'm being a little facetious, but this is what the mixtape does in today's world, which is like when an artist wants to release a project but doesn't want people to like have it, it, they don't want the weight of like having to mm-hmm. follow up their last thing. So they put out, you know, a mixtape like if you're reading this it's too late uh by Drake, you know, like no, I'm not trying to follow up, you know, this uh, nothing was the same album. This is just for fun, but it's kind of like uh, if everybody loves it, awesome. If nobody likes it, hey, it was just a mixtape. You know, like <laughs> they almost could have done that. They're almost. Pre- Do you think they're predicting the mixtape era in a way with the King of Limbs? Uh, I mean, I get what you're saying. I think it's a little bit of stretch of a stretch <laughs> to say that they consciously, you know, did that or anything. But but I get I get what you mean. I mean, maybe maybe not because I I think Tom was kind of onto something with the idea of just releasing songs. I mean, yeah, look where we're at with like the streaming world. I mean, people that is release true. albums, but yeah. really, it's just a the bunch l- of songs. You know what I mean? And and Lucy's are you know a lot more I know uh, of a thing than they than they were you know five I know years ago even. It's it's kind of sinking in for me, you know, like when iTunes came out and stuff, everybody was like, oh, my God, what if this kills the album? And then it seemed like the album was just fine. Mm. And then I realized like recently that and we kind of talked about like with with your son, Darren, but like it's not going to be us. We're not going to change our listening habits. But the next generation who never had albums Uh is not going to give a shit about them. (laughs) Like, oh, yeah. Now I believe the albums will die 100 (laughs) percent. But like. will buy them but like the millennials will but like we're gonna get too old we'll be the old Um, guys still still talking about albums i know like it'll be so archaic um you mentioned something interesting darren um that you don't think a moonshape pool feels like radiohead going back to grand statement mode because i kind of do 
Really? I I mean, maybe it's obviously worth revisiting, but I kind of felt like it was just another not not another king of limbs, but like still in that like realm of like good but not mind-blowing. Yeah, but it it's like you know, it's like a full album. It ends on a ballad. Actually, I was kind of thinking about that. That's interesting about the King of Limbs because it's like they do try to kind of end on an upbeat note. Um, but it strikes me as like Codex would be the song that would close the album if, you know, like if it was a normal Radiohead album and it's almost like they're deliberately not wanting to close on the piano ballad. But like, you know, Moonshape Pool closes on Trill of Weights. It's got like these epics like daydreaming and stuff. I mean, what do you think, Dan? Do you feel like it's a big statement? Yeah, I think it's like going more back to that than King of Limbs. I think maybe we're we're thinking it's not like the only reason there's a discussion is that it maybe didn't work as well as it had in the past or something. Um, yeah, but, but it feels like they tried. Yeah, I think they at least tried. God, we're gonna have to revisit this album. Yeah, um, I think so. Okay, so I want to save a few minutes to talk about Anima, the new Tom York album. How how does it tie into all this? Is Anima? a grand statement in contrast with like basically his, his entire solo career, Tom has been like these kind of tossed off things, the eraser, the Adams for peace album, which was just kind of like, Hey, I had a lot of fun playing with these guys, you know, tomorrow's modern boxes. I barely even listened to because it's such a like tossed off piece of shit. You know, it's like several songs and then just some like fucking around uh-huh. ambient shit. Um, he was more into like releasing via BitTorrent or something, um, <laughs> than making actual songs. But does it feel like, anima is being celebrated and succeeds because it's actually trying to be a big statement or no i think it's trying to be a statement um you know i mean like that movie he made and stuff you know like that that's statement d um and i and i think you know that's just where he succeeds you know um did it so long with radiohead you know it's just like in his uh artistic wheelhouse and stuff but i besides all that i think like i said during the eraser uh review i think he's just sort of gotten better at at working on his own you know like whereas the eraser seemed a little rushed a little underdeveloped and stuff tomorrow's modern boxes uh which my wife loves that record and it i hate really? it so much I've, I've heard it way more times than i want to oh, uh, wow. but uh you know like even there, like he was maybe a little better, but it still sort of is like fucking around in fruity loops or something. Um, whereas like now he seems like fully fledged and um It sounds gorgeous. Yeah, exactly. Like like it it doesn't like when you listen to this record, it's the first one where you're kinda not like, ah, I wish the rest of Radiohead was here. Exactly. You know? Yes. Like yeah. it's like I didn't miss uh the rest of Radiohead when I listened to this record. Yeah, you also kind of feel like Oh, he didn't like find a new um drum program. <laughs> yeah, having exactly. fun playing yeah. with it. He is like you don't even think about that it's an electronic album. It just feels like he's made it just sounds like he's an used album. The sounds. Yeah, the sounds that are the best to serve these songs. Um do you kind of agree with this, Darren? Yeah, I do. Like I, I don't really listen to that record and think like what you mentioned, uh, Dan, like, where's Radiohead? Or right. you know, what demo from a Radiohead throwaway is <laughs> yeah. this coming from? Like none of that comes to mind. In fact, it's not even like these are the elements that Tom York brings to Radiohead. It's not even that. It's like this is just Tom York, like an artist, like if in a world where Radiohead almost doesn't exist, right? Like I, I can listen to this and not think about Radiohead too much yeah. or like wonder yeah. where they're at or anything. And that's that's an accomplishment. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, it really is. Because in some ways it does feel like 
we are harder. The whole world is harder on the eraser because it's coming from Tom York, you know, harder on the King of Limbs because it's coming from Radiohead. And the fact that we would be inclined to be harder on this. And yet everybody seems to just really be enjoying it and loving it and not worrying about where's Radiohead. Um, You know that it has to be actually very, very good. Uh, But I do think there's sort of an interesting uh, little like, Maybe he did learn a few things from the Eraser and King of Limbs because I feel like the last song "Runway Away" is uh, it's a little uh, separatory, you know, because it's kind of like a weird, fun ending. Whereas old Tom York would have put Dawn Chorus right at the end, <laughs> like definitely, <laughs> fucking definitely, because it's the most like heart, you know, wrenching, just like moving thing and such a ballad. And uh, he was like, you know what? Let's get that over with early, and then like get back to the the fun you know like lotus flower dancing kind of fun um i feel like there is a little bit of that spirit here you know yeah yeah i i agree with you all right well do you think last question anima's sort of success is proof that tom and maybe radiohead as a whole just aren't meant to be fucking around and having fun they should just drop classics and aim for the you know shoot for the stars or the moon uh, i guess is more fitting um do you, I couldn't really decide. Is this would that just be kind of like true for everybody, um, or are there some people that kind of excel at the tossed off thing? I, I think you should always, if you're like releasing something, try to do you know the best you can. But then some of my favorite artists are like you know Young Thug and Gucci Mane, like the most <laughs> notorious, you know, just That's true. toss off kind of thing. And I, but I guess I sort of wish they weren't. So I'll say that, yeah, I think everybody should just try to drop classics. Um, and yeah, I think Radiohead included, you know, like, like I like King of Limbs, but, but like you said, like, would you rather have a Radiohead that stops and has only ever released classics or would you rather a Radiohead that's released a hundred Kings, King of Limbs, you know, to, for the rest of time? Yeah. Um, and I, I would, I'd rather have the one that just only had classics and 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 didn't fuck around yeah i mean i think it's tough you know radiohead i feel like and i've said this before but like they're basically in a league of their own you know they're they're kind of peerless in a lot of ways you know um i think the beatles are a fair comparison but the beatles broke up like we didn't see what happened Mm -hmm. after abbey road necessarily you know what i mean um with radiohead we kind of you could almost argue we've had their abbey road and now we're seeing more um what's happening next you know what i mean so it's it's hard to say i i i would i would want them to drop classics like you know selfishly right but um at the same time i think about like kanye west bring him up now for a third or fourth (laughs) um dark fantasy was incredible and like the albums that came after that yeah, sure. I I was sometimes thinking like, man, if he had just hammered at some of these a little bit longer, like he did on Dark Fantasy, we'd have another Dark Fantasy. But then we wouldn't have, you know, Saint Pablo or whatever, right? right like I, I right. think we'd be we'd missing out on stuff. So we, I'm glad we have the King of Limbs. I'm glad Radiohead tried this. I think that their model should probably go back to, let's just make game changing classics because that's truly what they're great at you know what i mean unless they're gonna really go really far and give us that double album that gave us yeah (laughs) yeah i really i really can't decide i thought about it all week but it's like i i really prefer when artists like go for it it doesn't have to be a classic every time but i appreciate like when they're trying to do something that like they you know you just get the sense like oh 
this band cares if I yeah. listen to this. Like they really mm-hmm. feel like the world needs to hear this. Mm-hmm. And there is the odd project that like feels kind of light and breezy and is cool. You know, I was listening to a uh, Nashville Skyline by Dylan the other day, and like that doesn't feel yeah, like that's he's, a good example. He's not like all right, I'm gonna top uh you know blonde on blonde today. You know, he's like just kind of doing this thing, and and he's it works. It like really serves the the style of the music in a nice way. But that's really rare, I think. Like really, really rare. Most of the time try to make something like you feel like the world needs to hear and that is especially true if you're radiohead (laughs) yeah all right well i think that's enough for this week so what do you think we'd love to read your thoughts on air you can email us popshieldpod at gmail.com we'll have a new episode in two weeks but uh next week like we mentioned uh we'll post um uh, old review of okay not okay uh the okay computer remaster and moonshape pool from our old podcast uh metaphoric music so i uh, look for that next week if you like the show help us out by subscribing and leaving us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast stay connected twitter facebook instagram all that is at pop shield pod and we'll see you next week see you so long.